I am Planta on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Celia Burke joins me now. The award-winning cabaret and jazz vocalist is a new album out, Now That I Have Everything. It's 13 songs of the Great American Songbook, songs that we know and love, and other gems that we might not have uh, been familiar with. And in Ms. Burke's hands, or voice really, they're rendered inviting, charming, delightful, and often beautiful and powerful and that's not just in the uh, changes of keys. The author and journalist Will Friedwald says of Celia Burke's artistry on this album, quote, it's less a performance than an intimate dialogue between two close friends. And that it is with this uh, conversation with Celia that we taped one week ago. I'll ask her about the song selections, the process working with the musicians that directed and arranged the uh, music, and the craftsmanship and artistry of the music and lyrics. There are songs on the album written by Sammy Kahn, Hoagie Carmichael, Irvin Drake, Hugh Martin, Carly Simon, Billy Strayhorn, James Van Heusen, and Stevie Wonder. From Gramercy Nightingale, this is her third album. Her first two albums were Manhattan Serenade and You Can't Rush Spring. She's made memorable appearances at Carnegie Hall, Jazz at Lincoln Center, Birdland Theater, the Town Hall, and the National Arts Club. For more information, visit CeliaBurke.com. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online Program, Celia Burke. Ms. Burke, good morning. Good morning. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's nice to talk to you. I guess it's afternoon where you are in New York. Um, what um, what was the, the, the impetus to call the album um, what it is? I guess it is from the title song, Now That I Have Everything. It's such a great song, too, by the way. Um, it really is. Yeah. yeah. It says a lot, doesn't it, about the album... Um, and I'm perhaps wondering, um, does it say anything about where you are now, say, in, 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 in this time, say, about three years, I, nearly three years into everything that we've been living through, say? I think so. I think we all have a greater appreciation for what it means to be connected in some way. Uh, I, I started out thinking the album was going to be about love in only a more narrow romantic sense. Mm -hmm. But as I worked on it over the course of the pandemic and I became more aware of how much I just missed basic human connection, uh, I think my perception of some of these songs shifted uh, from something narrow to something broader. So certainly that's a factor. Uh, my first album was You Can't Rush Spring because my recording career is pretty late in life uh, compared to some other artists. And so that's why I called it You Can't Rush Spring. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one, as the third one, with Manhattan Serenade in the middle, was really I now have everything I, I want. I have the music in my life and the ability to record it and perform it and other interesting things in my life. And yes, thankfully, we all have the ability to be together again. Indeed, indeed. Um, the song itself, now that I have everything, when did you become familiar with it? Uh, it was four, maybe four years ago, something like that. It was given to me by my friend Debbie Whiting, who is the daughter of the great, great American songbook singer, uh, Margaret Whiting, and her grandfather was Richard Whiting, mm -hmm. one of the great writers of the American Songbook. He wrote Ain't We Got Fun and Ho Hooray for Hollywood. Right. And we 
friend. She uh, had been very instrumental in my receiving the Margaret Whiting Award and had given me some material for my second album. And then one day she sent me this song and said, I've been listening to Mother on the radio and I can hear you singing this song. You should do it. And I listened to it and I thought, yes, I, sh I should do this. So that's, that's how I found this song. And I, I think you were also asking me in your first question why the album is called Now That I Have Everything, besides mm -hmm. it being a song on the track. And, you know, these days people can pick and choose what they listen to from your album and in what order. You well, can't sure, rely yeah. on people to sing, uh, excuse me, listen to songs in the sequence that you've put them yeah. on, on an album. Um, and so calling out this song helps me to call out to the listener, regardless of which song you listen to on this album, it's all about this. It's all about ultimately what I have is everything and my everything is you. And it just helps create kind of a red thread across all of the, the tracks, regardless of how you listen to them and when you listen to them. Indeed, indeed. Um, you, you, you mentioned um, your friend, uh, who's uh, the daughter of somebody that you probably listened to growing up, that you, yes. who's a grandfather, whose father, I should say, whose songs you've heard probably your whole life. Grandfather, uh, gr yeah. Grandfather, yeah. pardon me. Um, and, and, to be able to be given this song and said that this reminds me of uh, uh, listening to mother reminds me of you. I mean, it, it, that's a special gift altogether, don't you think? It, it, it is a gift. Her everything about my relationship with her has been a gift, and that just a jaw-dropping yeah. vote of confidence yeah. that I can understand the sensibility of the song and evoke what her mother did and when it came time to record it um the pianist on her on margaret whiting's recording is hex arnold who was a wonderful music director and pianist arranger and songwriter who i got to know uh a few years before he died uh so that when i sat down with my music director and pianist ted first and played him Margaret Whiting's recording, I said, is there a way for us to tip our hat to this recording? It's the only other recording of this Irvin Drake song. Mm -hmm. And so at the very end of our recording is a sequence uh, that of chords um, that's really a quote of their recording as well. So there's layers to the significance of this song. That's what I really enjoyed about the album is that um, there's such a deft touch when it comes to the song selections. Um, there's material that we, we obviously, songs that we know, some we don't know, um, and it's a, it's a marvelous mix. How do you consider the, sort of the material that you'll be performing, whether it's live or on an album like this? Yeah, I, I am always collecting songs. And it's a bit of a mystery when it comes to what makes it into the final either set list of a performance or a recording. Uh, I knew I, I was going to end the album with Now That I Have Everything because it was a culmination song. I didn't know from the beginning that's what I'd call the album. Uh -huh. uh, I had another song uh, that was in the live version of some of this material that was 
um, an Irving Berlin song, very obscure, called Now It Can Be Told, uh, which I also heard for the first time when Debbie sent me some recordings of her mother's. And that set me off on the entire project because it was about the premise of the song is now the story of the greatest love affair can be told. And I remember listening to that and going, hmm, I wonder what that story is, greatest love affair. And that made me look at my master list of songs that have caught my eye and my ear and go through and see what I might put on a big pile that might eventually be a smaller pile. And then once you have your basic premise, you start to recognize other material that might be appropriate. But that's the fun of it and also the mystery of what falls out over time. And I'm sure there are songs that you love listening to that that probably don't work, say, with your voice or your range. Um, uh, do you then uh, challenge yourself and, and, and want to include that, say, in, in the pile, or, or, or do you just use that as, say, something for the playlist, something to listen to instead? Well, you can always make something work in your range by changing the key. Really? Um, so it, it's not really that. Um, as you said, there are unusual songs here and some recognizable songs and that's really my trademark is what i call hidden gems by great songwriters so yes i have a stevie wonder song but it's overjoyed and i have a carly simon song and it's it happens every day those aren't the first songs you think of for those songwriters and those songwriters are not necessarily the ones you would automatically associate with me i'm more of a throwback to those singers like margaret whiting and rosemary clooney and not not that i'm saying i can i'm as good as them but sort of that sensibility of that era um so i i certainly will only look at songs that i think can make work in in my sensibility and in my range without distorting them inappropriately and then I go looking for hidden gems because then you're not fighting the listener's ear automatically rem- remembering a great recording. It's it's kind of green earth, uh, and I can introduce somebody to a song like Now That I had ev- Have Everything, which most people don't know. You mentioned, uh, speaking of hidden gems, Carly Simons, It Happens Every Day. I didn't know that th- that was one of her songs. Um, but it sounds so much, as you alluded to a moment ago, so much like a throwback, and, and I guess it demonstrates um, the talent of a songwriter like her um, that, um, you know, if I had heard uh, you do it for the first time as I did, I, I would I would have, uh, say, sought out people like Margaret Whiting, perhaps, who had done an earlier cover, maybe. Um, it, it's such a good song in that sense, isn't it? It really is, and I read her memoir, and first of all, she came from a highly musical family and across the genres. Mm. Uh, so if you read the liner notes that Will Friedwald wrote for us for this album, he talks about how he likes hearing this version, which doesn't have Carly's folk chord structure, yeah. that he thinks you can hear some of the melody more clearly or that it makes its case in a different, maybe more compelling way dramatically, but she can do this kind of material. She has done an album of Great American Songbook, and I have a couple more Carly Simons in my back pocket for another project 
that are equally beautiful and you wouldn't necessarily know listening to them right away. Yeah. Oh, that's a Carly Simon song. But I think she's an extraordinary songwriter, just extraordinary. Indeed. Um, the, the, um, the, the show City of Angels, Cy Coleman and David Zippel, their musical, yeah. um, yielded uh, uh, With Every Breath I Take. And I remember hearing that, that when I heard the cast album years ago. Um, I didn't think much of the song. I didn't remember it, say. But um, hearing it on this album, um, it, it, it's another one of those songs. It's relatively new, say, um, but seems like it's from another era. And uh, out of the yes. context of the cast recording, it, it's, it stands out as its own. And, and, and you know, it's something that, that I, I could possibly hear other people do. As they, and it's become a standard, if you will, hasn't it? It has become a standard, and um, I always loved it from the moment mm. I heard it on the cast album. So I had a different reaction than you did. But because I have this lower voice and what people call the cello sound, that song was just tailor-made for me in just the way it dips down. And my second album, the liner notes were by David Zippel. Uh, I did the first commercial recording of another song that he wrote with uh, Dave, uh, Cy Coleman called The Broadway Show. The Broadway song mm -hmm. from a show that never ultimately got produced. So when I recorded this, I sent it to him, and I'm very happy and, and relieved to say that he he liked this version of it. And I think uh, when you listen to what Ted Firth does with the piano and his solo in the middle of it, it's just ravishing what yeah, he does. Yeah, this relationship that you have, uh, your voice has, say, with with the other musicians in the room. Um, does that take because it, 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 it they marry so well they, they don't overlap if you know <laughs> I sound uh, that's not what I meant <laughs> to say but I mean they they, they, yeah. they accompany one another so well and and you hear that on this album uh, as well um, does that take long to cultivate I mean it, it, it sounds comfortable if you will um, oh I'm really glad uh, well some of this is head and his sense of what the quote-unquote orchestration should be, what what instruments should we have on a given track and who should be playing them because there are lots of different kinds of bass players. There are lots of different kinds of percussionists. Uh, Ted is a very particular kind of pianist, and, and so all of that is part of the thought process that goes into it. We made up our mind that there would be three tracks that just would be voice and piano, uh, which is now that I have everything and bittersweet uh -huh. and with every breath I take. And so they're kind of road marks on the progression of the album if you listen to them in a certain way. But I think the other thing that you're hearing is the mixing, which is the engineer who is mm. Scott Lehrer, who has been the engineer and producer for almost all of my recordings and just is incredible uh, in the way he goes about it. He's a Grammy and Tony Award winning sound designer and engineer. And he even moves me around the room a little bit. If you um, sit in front of your speakers, if you're listening externally or even with earbuds on, uh -huh. I'm in a particular place in the room. But when you get to the track right as the rain, he actually moves me to the side because it's just me and the bass player, and he puts the bass player on the other side. 
And as he was mixing, he sent me an email and he said, I have this impulse to do this. Are you okay with it? And I said, absolutely, because if we were doing this live, it would just be the two of us and we would just be relating to each other and it wouldn't matter where the bass player was amongst the other instruments. It would really be the two of us focusing on each other. And so when you then go back and hear that, yeah. he really pulls you in and you feel like you're in this small, intimate club just listening to us do this set, I hope. I think. It, it, you, you certainly do, and it makes me want to, to go listen to the album again now, knowing what you've just told <laughs> me. Um, but, but that's yeah, the other thing. Yeah. As I was listening to it, I felt like um, I was in a club, and it, 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 it um, you know, I, I could have had a beverage as I was sitting listening to, to the album. Um, and, and that speaks to, I think, um, your relationship as the vocalist to the audience. Um, you know, you're singing to a lot of people when you're recording, I guess, um, and you're singing to a lot of people who will listen to the recording later. Um, but um, in the middle of it, if you will, in the midst of listening to, say, a track off this album, um, you do seem like you're singing to one person, and that's hard to fake. How, how do you do that purposefully, say? Uh, I, I think... It is hard to fake, and I can't imagine not having someone in your mind that you're singing to. And, you know, when you're performing live, you make very conscious decisions. There are songs that are internal monologues. There are songs where you're imagining singing to one person. And there are songs where you're really pulling in the entire room and singing to everyone. And it's the same process when you're recording. Uh, but Wilfried Well writes about that in his liner notes as well, that he, he thinks that one of the things that distinguishes me from other singers, not for better or for worse, just it's one of my, my sort of fingerprints, is that it does feel more like a conversation between me and the listener mm. than it does a performance of some kind. And I wouldn't know how to do it any other way. Yeah, it's not even singing. As I, I, I think you're... you're or performing even, I think it, it's sort of like you've lived in the lyric in a way that, that um, it's almost like acting, if you will. I mean, it's something that you know so well, the music and the lyrics, that you're able to convey it in a way that, that um, I mean, as I said, some of these songs we've heard performed by others, um, it's almost like it's the first time listening to you. Oh, that's a lovely compliment. Thank you. Um, I don't do songs that have simplistic lyrics. I, I'll do songs that have simple lyrics, but there has to be something at stake in the song. Uh, and ideally, there has to be some kind of an arc or a progression to it, because I think they are like little one-act plays. Uh, yeah, and once you, yeah. once you figure that out, then you really can treat it that way and I, and I will take the music away at some point during the preparation and do it just as a monologue mm. you learn things about where words are placed yeah the, it doesn't sound contrived because I mean lyrics can rhyme if you will and um, yeah. th that can be too clever by half but um, when when you live in them as I, I think you have it, it feels as though it was just as you it's just as you said you 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 lived with them in terms of, of um, say rehearsing them if you will 
Um, it, it does. It, it, it sounds like it, it's, um, it's, it's not just the, the, the people who wrote the song. I think it, it's the performer at that point. Right. And and that's what you Thank bring. You. That's what you bring to this album. Thank you so much. You mentioned the lyrics and and how are you fixed for love is is a is a lovely song that that, that begins the album and those lyrics are written by Sammy Kahn and they're, they're quite clever um, and fun. But then the, the beauty of, of of Kahn is that he can he can hit you when you least expect it with something so beautiful when he talks about love, say. And and that song has that. It has the cleverness and the, the sort of the fun part of, of songs, and then it can <laughs> distill something that one might feel or have felt um, <laughs> just so viscerally that, that it makes you um, wonder where this guy came from. <laughs> He's just so good, you know? <laughs> they all And they all have such interesting backstories, and there's just some ease to Sammy Kahn's mm. lyrics, too. You can just relax. You do not have to work that hard. When you're listening to a Suntime song, you have to sometimes work <laughs> very hard. Indeed. Uh, to wrap your ear around it and to catch all the nuances of it. Sammy Kahn is, is giving to, it to you on a little pillow, you know, a little vocal pillow. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the, the song choices a moment ago. Um, there, there are a couple uh, tracks on the album where there are uh, songs uh, put together. I'm thinking of Moonburn and, and The Late Late Show, and, and the way that they're paired is just so seamless that if, if you weren't familiar with those songs, uh, you would think that they were just one song. Um, how does that happen in terms of, of putting those two together and, and not just putting them together in terms of how they sound, but um, the the decision to, to put two different songs like that together? I mean, it's just so, it's just wonderful to hear. Oh, thank you. I, I don't know. I think that's one of my things. I really like to pair two songs up and see if they bring something interesting out in each other. So Moonbird and The Late Late Show is so fun because they use similar imagery in different ways. Mm. And and while the melodies may be different, a lot of the lyrics are kind of similar. Um, so that was just fun, and it was a bit serendipitous. I, When I'm in between projects and I'm not sure what I'm going to do next, I just start going from, from start to end of various songbooks, and I just coincidentally heard and 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 explored these two pretty close together in time and i thought ooh, that might be fun um so that's that's just my thing i think i i think i'm a matchmaker yeah it's a wonderful way to think about it because they they, they do lend themselves so well to one another and and uh that's the fun part trying to f- figure out how you transition from one to the other and it as i said it says sound seamless that that if you didn't oh, know, you'd think you. you'd think that they're they're written by the same person. Um, you you yeah. uh, mentioned uh, a moment ago about um, you alluded to to your your voice and and the cello sound and and that was one of the questions I was going to ask is, is how you would describe your voice because it's got marvelous range. I mean, it, it, it sounds pretty in terms of the softness that that you evoke in in, in some uh, parts of the album. But it also has this great depth that it, that it that um, it, it harkens back to this 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 other era of of music that, um, that you and I are both too young to have, have lived through or heard firsthand, and, and we've we've only gained say through through albums and 
and the sword. Does, does it take a lot of training to to get to that point? I mean, or, or um, you know, the question that I hate the most is, is when I hear people ask people about their talents, is, is, is this something you were born with, say? Uh, you know, for many, many years, I was singing in the upper end of my range, in what we would probably call the legit kind of ingenue kind of range. And fairly late, somebody put me in front of a microphone and said, have you ever sung with a microphone? And I said, no. And he said, well, why don't you try and just lean in and sing to the microphone? Uh, and so I did. And I remember pulling back at the end of the song and going, Huh. And he said, huh. So the first clue was that the microphone likes me and I like the microphone. The a camera lens, I, I, I'm never going to be photogenic, but a microphone really pulls the best out of me. And then once you have that, it kind of guides you towards a different end of your range. So mm. he also said to me, "Let's, can I take you down into your speaking range? I just want to see how it relates to what I'm hearing when you speak. And so we took it down, and we did it at the microphone, and it just opened up a whole kind of intimacy and ease. But I still have those top notes, and I can use them. You can hear them in mm -hmm. some of these tracks. Mm -hmm. I can do fun, comedic things with them, because I can go all the way up to a, a high B on a good day or a B flat. Uh, so I and I work very hard to keep that all of those elements of the range together and healthy. Yeah, it, it comes through on the album because, because as I said, it, there there are uh, places on the album where where you you hit those those higher notes and they're just beautiful to listen to. And then um, when we hear the 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 the, um, the depth of it, the the strength of it. Um, it's almost as if it's um, you just you you feel um, it's a sound that 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 feels like an an instrument itself, and I think that's why your voice works so well with these the, the, the musicians um, because it it's um, something that that's uh, honed and and you've you've just alluded to that 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 it's something that you work at every day I guess right I do. Yeah. I do. I take it really... I, I try not to take myself seriously, but I take the music very seriously, and I take keeping myself healthy vocally very seriously. What are some of the ways that you do that? Um, I would assume talking on the phone with somebody is probably um, not, not, not good for the voice. How do, you, how do you compensate for that once I hang up? You can do it, um, <laughs> and, but you've got you've to balance it out. So I have many, many vocal exercises, and I've been lucky enough to train with some wonderful voice teachers, and I go to someone almost every week, and we're always listening and saying, is the voice overweighting down or up? How do we even this out? And I go away with more exercises, and I try to, to do something vocally from an exercise standpoint every day or every other day if I can't, not completely in control of my schedule. A lot of it is about hydrating. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is being careful about what you're eating and what you're drinking, unfortunately. And there's a big component that's about sleeping. There really is. I think for all of us. But for a singer, you just need to go to sleep. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that I think sleep uh, sleep deprivation is something that that a lot of us suffer from, and and I think yeah, that is key, isn't it? Um, I think I think it's the key to a lot. Indeed. Really. Yeah. The, the the other thing that that um, I was going to ask you um, uh, where you're from. Um, because I, I, not just listening to this album, but the, the other two albums and the singles that, that I've been able to find online of yours, um, it has a sound that, that I would think is unmistakably New York. Did, did you grow up there? Yeah, I did. I, I was born in Manhattan, and I grew up on Long Island. So please tell me you cannot hear a Long Island <laughs> no. accent, just a nice East Coast clean accent <laughs> it's, it's, it's really manhattan it, it and 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 that's the um the thing that i think a lot of us who, who aren't from there just love about the 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 art of cabaret is that you know there are great clubs all over your country all over the world in different parts of the world i should say but they they all seem um like they're of new york and the good ones at least and and uh, Cabaret itself, I mean, the performers all over the world, but I mean, it, it, it is a very New York product, isn't it? I think it is. I think in the same way that a lot of this music started out in New York and Penn Alley and things like that. Uh, I think it's just that that's uh, I don't know starting point. I wouldn't. I was going to say Ground Zero, and that's not a good analogy, um, but it is the start of the Great American Songbook. And so I think you can hear it. And it's interesting that you hear it in, from a Canadian perspective, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's everything that, that one is fascinated about your city, I guess. Um, it's, it's one of the things, at least. I mean, people can point to movies, television shows even. But for me, it's always the music. It's always the, the sound mm -hmm. of, of uh, you know, live albums that I've heard, you know, with the Cafe Carlisle or, or Town Hall um, you know all those those marvelous performers that that that, um, that uh, have gone before you in in terms of, of your art form. I th I think yeah. um, they they evoke much more than say just the Great American Songbook. I think they evoke the town itself. And in your second your second album certainly. I mean, <laughs> uh, the songs of of Manhattan. I think um, um, uh, songs about Manhattan. I should say that that, that they really. Um, um, I, I it's not Des Moines, if you will. <laughs> not that I'm. <laughs> no, it's <but> not <laughs> putting down Iowa. <laughs> it doesn't want to be, and there's yeah. and that's not dissing Des Moines, but Indeed. it's just not. It really isn't. Yeah. For better and for worse. Did you did you always sing? Like say, growing up, was it? With, you mentioned a moment I ago did. that that um, you didn't start to recording until later. Um, right. Was it was it something aspirational that you wanted to do as a kid? I did. I started out, I wanted to go into the theater and then realized that I really wasn't cut out for that life. But from the time that I was in what in the U.S. is called junior high and senior high, I was coming into the city every Saturday afternoon and studying with a, with a New York voice teacher. Uh, so I always wanted to, to sing but it was within the context of I wanted to be a working actress. Mm. And when I gave that up, I just kept taking the voice lessons just for the pleasure of it. I, I can't imagine not singing. Uh, so all through those years when I didn't do anything, I was still going to a voice teacher every week. 
And what is it like now to to have you know a handful of singles and three albums under your belt? I mean, the, um, I mean, you're obviously working um, on on other material, aren't you? And 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 performing live places. I mean, yes. it's great to have this 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 part of one's life, isn't it? It's incredible, and I have to say that when I gave up. The, the dream of being a working actress, I told myself I had given everything up and mm. truly didn't notice that I was still singing because it, it was that elemental to me. And so it really is the thing that never went away for many, many years. And nobody can take it away from me. And, and you know, I've, I've done a variety of shows, quote-unquote cabaret shows, but the recordings last forever. Um, and I've really worked to make my website a place where you can find anything you want about what I've recorded, why I recorded it, who's on the recording. And so that that website is part of me saying this is this is who I am, and I hope it's here when I'm gone. It's such a gift to go through the website and, and read sort of the, your own notes on the songs themselves, and 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 um, to, for, for for me at least to learn about songs that I hadn't heard of, of before or hadn't thought very much of before, um, and it makes the listening experience and uh, so much better. And um, it, it's something to, to to keep in mind all the, this written material, if you will, as I listen to the album again and again. Uh, so it is such a gift, and and uh, long may it continue. Certainly, the website and and, and the career itself. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, what's next for you? Are you working on another album now? Um, I am not. Uh, this one took a couple of years to birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it was complicated by the pandemic. Sure. Uh, but I don't have a, an idea that makes my head tilt yet. The way when I listened to that Irving Berlin song, I, my head tilted and I went, oh, I'm going to do an album about love in some way. That moment hasn't happened, so I'm just casting about. I have some ideas for what I might do next in live performance, yeah. but even that isn't certain yet. This was a very big full year of performing, and I did some acting as well as the cabaret performances and the new album. I, th- I think I think I, I need to sit with some of those uh, memories and sense of accomplishment uh, before I set off to do more because once you start that's it you're down a rabbit hole for a couple of years again yeah what, what do you like listening to and 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 does that um does that lend itself well say um to as you prepare for for a performance on on the evening of i mean do, do you do you have the, the earbuds on and are you listening to stuff all the oh, time? no. My, my ears have to be clear if I'm preparing for the evening of or if I'm getting ready to go into the studio. And once I'm into really the nitty-gritty of preparing some kind of material, I'm not listening to a whole lot of other singers who do what I do mm-hmm. because I don't want their sound in my head because they're, I, I think the singers that I love are so extraordinary that it's very hard to get their sound out once it's in. Um, so I will move to uh, classical music and listen to that. I love opera. 
but I will not. I, there will be periods of time where I'm just not listening to any other singer. Mm. And and when um, for leisure, our uh, this great American songbook is is marvelous because you can hear everything in terms of music itself. Um, is this a genre that you, you enjoy listening to, say, on, on uh, for leisure, for uh, in your spare time, say? Absolutely, as long as I I'm, as long as I'm not in the middle of a project. But yeah. this is how you also find things because yeah. all of a sudden you hear something and you go, "What is that? I didn't know that song." There's just endless material, and if you're Irving Berlin or Cole Porter or you name it, or it's just endless, absolutely endless. How much material there is, or Irvin Drake, you know, who yeah. um, wrote some incredible songs. Here's this one that's just sitting out there that no one really knows. So, it's been, Celia. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. Congratulations on this album. I've enjoyed Thank it a you. great deal, and it's going to be something that I'm going to be listening to for a long time to come. Um, all the best. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to chat with you, and and thank you for being such an appreciative and thoughtful listener. It's what every singer hopes for. The website for more is at CeliaBurke.com. The album is called Now That I Have Everything. It's from uh, Gramercy Nightingale. It's uh, artist Celia Burke. Join me on the line from New York City in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.